0: Everybody say charity. Charity. It is the greatest of these. Charity. We're going to be talking about that tonight. But I do want to tell you that we have a little time left on our City Barbecue fundraiser. So if you are looking to get a bite to eat afterwards, or even if you just aren't looking to get a bite to eat after church, go ahead and get a little bite to eat at City Barbecue and the... uh, a portion of the proceeds goes to our Bible quiz, Junior Bible quiz Nationals uh, trip. This is a tremendous thing that our Junior Bible quizzers have accomplished. They placed second in the state of Ohio out of many teams. I'm not sure the exact number of teams, but I believe it was 20-plus teams, uh, safe to say, uh, all over the state of Ohio, and First Apostolic Church Cincinnati placed second And we'll be competing in the national tournament in Branson, Missouri. And are raising funds and the portion of your proceeds, the money that you spend at City Barbecue, at Blue Ash City Barbecue. To get there, you would turn left on Cooper, right on Kenwood, and then just kind of follow the smell. You'll find it. It's delicious. Uh, But it's on the corner of Pfeiffer and Kenwood Road. Uh, and, uh, and until 10 p.m., they will be allowing—they uh, will be allowing a portion of the money that you spend at their restaurant to go to our junior Bible quiz program. This is a tremendous opportunity to bless our young people. 25% uh, from qualifying purchases all day long will go to that. So the preacher is going to try to teach in a, a good amount of time, but not too long, that you can't still get some city barbecue. Uh, amen. We're going to look at the word of the Lord uh, that teaches us about charity. And I want to begin from the book of Colossians, the third chapter. This is actually where we ended on Sunday morning. We uh, read up to this verse of scripture. Uh, and and this this verse of scripture contains in it some very important information about the role of charity uh, as it relates to uh, the life of the child of God. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 14. Now, I will say, leading up to this verse of Scripture, there were several different uh, statements made concerning setting your affection on things on, uh, in heaven, not on things on the earth, putting off anger, putting off wrath, putting off malice, blasphemy, Uh, filthy communication out of your mouth, mortify the members of your body which are upon the earth, and included in that are fornication, uncleanness, uh, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. Uh, These are things that we are told to mortify. These are things we are told to put off from us. And then in Colossians 3 and verse 13, the scripture teaches us to forbear one another that means, that means put up with one another and, and, to, and to go ahead and have patience with each other. And how many have lived, God, lived for God long enough to know that you, you're going to have to have patience with your brothers and sisters? Buddy? You, know, you don't just stop being a brother and sister. You are bound by the blood of Jesus Christ because somebody might rub you the wrong way. We are brothers and sisters in Christ and we forbear one another And we forgive one another, and if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now, if you're having trouble forgiving, the reason that you have trouble forgiving is that you have not fully accepted or understood how Christ has forgiven you. And if we don't fully understand that and embrace that and accept that, then we will always have trouble forgiving other people. But when you embrace, accept, understand, believe that Jesus Christ has forgiven you, well, that's the most glorious thing in all the world. And now you can forgive somebody else because you know what it's like to be forgiven. And so, when unforgiveness exists, it always exists because we have not fully experienced and embraced the forgiveness that Christ has for us. It it is not a noble thing to to, uh, walk around with a feeling that Christ could not forgive you. Uh, Before we get into this verse of scripture, I want to share with you a man that my Grandfather had ministered to for years. he was a businessman in the city of Indianapolis, where my grandfather pastored for thirty years and he would tell my grandfather i 'm going to be your biggest disappointment. You might win some people, but you 're going to win me and he said i 'm your failure. You just look at me and know i 'm the one you couldn 't get and and he was really pointing at himself and, and saying, you know, basically, I'm, I'm such, I've got so many issues and I'm such a bad guy that I, I just unreachable, untouchable. And my grandfather knew what he was saying and he, he said, well, you never know. I'd love to see you in church on Sunday. And, and uh, the day came that the gentleman developed cancer and the cancer became really bad. And my grandfather went to him to his bedside and he said, listen, he said, I know you have said that you have no interest in God, but he said, um, he said, that has to change. That has to change right now because you're looking at facing eternity without God. And the man said, but he said, Reverend, you you don't understand. I'm not that kind of a guy. Now, 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 I want you to pay attention to the false nobility that he began to embrace. It was a deception of the enemy. He said, I'm not that kind of a guy. I, I, uh, I'm not going to spend my life living one way and then when the going gets tough, turn and embrace God. That's not fair. It's not fair to God. It's not right. It's hypocritical. I've I've chosen my path and that's my lot in life. And he felt noble. The flesh felt noble for saying, "I'm, I'm my own man. My grandfather tried to talk with him. He had my uncle Andrew with him. And as and grandpa uh, made a gesture with his hands, his Bible fell out onto the floor. And he leaned over, picked up the Bible. And when he picked up the Bible, it had felt, fallen open to the passage of Scripture in the book of Matthew about the servants who came in at the 11th hour. And there had been servants there who had worked all day long. And received a particular wage. But when the 11th hour servants showed up, they received the same wage as those who had been there working all day long. Doesn't seem fair, but grace isn't fair. If grace were fair, none of us would be here tonight. He said to him, I have a word from the Lord for you, sir. And that was the word from the Lord. And that was enough to convince the man, hey, God does love me. And God does have a gift for me that i don't have to earn and that i can receive and he was baptized in jesus name in the bathtub that day and a few weeks passed of course the cancer was really bad and 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 one night in the middle of the night my grandfather received a phone call it was this man's wife on the other end of the phone and she said uh reverend Urshan, i i need your help and he knew as soon as he heard her voice what was wrong you know this man was dying of cancer and he, he imagined, of course, that this was the end. But she said, Ben is sitting up in bed speaking a foreign language, and I don't know what in the world is going on. <laughs> he said, no fear. <laughs> he is being filled with the Holy Ghost. I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, it's not noble to not embrace and accept the mercy that God has for you. Because it's not, it's not saying you're so bad. It's saying that he is incapable, and he is perfectly capable. He can love us when we are unlovable. He can reach us when others deem us unreachable. He can wrap his arms around us when all others have given up on us and walked away from us. And thank God for that. That's the beauty of his amazing grace. Colossians chapter 3, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And verse 14 is where I want to pay particular attention. And above all, everybody say above all. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Charity is the bond of perfectness. Charity is the thing that is the buckle, if you please, that holds perfectness together. We can't fully understand perfection, We don't know what perfection is, even if you're a perfectionist. We got any perfectionists in the house of God? You don't necessarily have to raise your hand. You can if you want. Your spouse, I see spouses. (laughs) Not really. Perfectness. The only one who was ever perfect is our Lord and Savior. He was perfect in his actions. He was perfect in his behavior. He was perfect in his motives. doesn't mean that he didn't have a bad day. But it does mean that He had a perfection. And what He gives to us is perfect. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You can't find perfect things in this world. You can only find perfect things from your Heavenly Father your natural father could not give you perfect things your heavenly father gave you perfect things so if you're seeking for something good and perfect and sound in this world you are going to be disappointed you can only find those perfect things in the presence of your heavenly father what perfect things well the Bible says this thou will keep him in perfect peace Whose mind is stayed on thee. There is a perfect peace to be found in the Lord. And you have felt it before. You have experienced it before. Now you may not experience it 24-7. But if we would keep our mind on him. He will keep us in it. It's when our mind shifts. Deviates. And goes a different direction and we stop thinking about the Lord and we start thinking about our problems and we start thinking about the folks who bother us and we start thinking about the pain of the past the fret of the future all of the things that can distract our mind these are the things that prevent us from being kept in perfect peace but there is perfectness In the peace that God has for you. You have felt it before and then moved away from it. You know what I'm talking about. When You you might have said it this way. I felt the peace of God come over me. That's because your mind was stayed on him. I remember the old song. I woke up this morning with my
1: mind. Stayed on Jesus. I woke up this morning with my mind. Just stayed on Jesus Well, I woke up this morning with my mind Just stayed on Jesus Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah And then they said, well, the devil don't like it Cause my mind is stayed on jesus well the devil don't like it cause my mind is stayed on jesus well the devil don't like it cause my mind is stayed on jesus oh hallelujah yes hallelujah Oh, hallelujah. Well, I woke up this morning with my mind. Just stayed on Jesus. Well, I woke up this morning with my mind. Just stayed on Jesus. Oh, I woke up this morning with my mind. Just stayed on Jesus, oh hallelujah, yes hallelujah, oh hallelujah. Now, doesn't that feel good? Doesn't that just feel good?
0: It feels good because it's peace. Your mind is on Jesus. And when your mind is on Jesus, you're going to have perfect
1: peace. Peace.
0: If you get your mind on what's bothering you, if you get your mind on what's facing you, or you get your mind on what's going wrong, then you will venture away from that perfect peace without even meaning to. But if you keep your mind on him, he will keep you in perfect peace. So peace is a part of the perfectness that we're talking about when we say charity is the bond of perfectness. Let's talk about something else that's perfect in the word of the Lord. The Bible describes perfect love perfect love perfect love casts out fear perfect love casts out fear this is an amazing statement from the Word of the Lord that perfect love casts out fear and when you look at this matter of perfect love casting out fear it's important that we understand that fear is something the Bible says has torment we know that fear is a spirit And we know that God didn't give it to us. There are three things very important for you to understand. When you are tormented, that's fear. Because fear is what has torment. So whenever you feel torment, that's fear. You know that fear is a spirit. The Bible calls it the spirit of fear. So it's not something you can put your hands on. And it's not something you can use carnal means or methods to rid yourself of. You must use the weapons of the spirit. Because it is a spirit and it will only be battled on a spiritual plane. And God didn't give it to you. God gave you love. God gave you power. God gave you a sound mind. And this sound mind that he gave you is, is sound because of the love. The perfect love that he gives you. So God gives us perfect love. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. The Bible refers to faith as being perfected. So there's faith that is perfect, there's love that is perfect, there's peace that is perfect. These things are things involved with perfectness, but the thing that holds them all together is charity. Charity is the bond of perfectness, it's the buckle of your spiritual seatbelt. When you're traveling through life in the, in the, on the journey of life, you've got a seatbelt. The buckle of that thing is charity. And, and too many people are trying to coast through life without the seatbelt on. And they are suffering the consequences of not being properly prepared for their journey. If you're going to live for the Lord, you're going to face some things that are very difficult, very challenging, and you need something to buckle you up and serve as the bond that holds everything together and the thing that holds everything together is charity and when we speak of charity it's important that we understand we are speaking of the agape love of god the agape love of god that is charity agape which is perfect love it's the love that god has for us that's what charity is now when you speak of charity I know that in the modern context in today's vernacular if we speak of charity you can mean a number of different things you've heard people say now I ain't one for charity what they mean is I don't want you to give me something that I have not earned because that's exactly what the love of God is It is something of love it is love it is perfect love that you and I have not earned that's what the love of God is you do know right that you haven't earned his love you do know right that all of the efforts you've made to live for God none of that earned you the love of God we do that out of gratitude to God we do that out of covenant with God We do that because of consecration to God. Not because we're trying to become somebody that he would find worthy of his love. None of us are worthy of his love. And so the love of God is agape love. Love that you and I are not worthy of. It is charity. It is charity. In fact, our church is a charity. The United States of America views the First Apostolic Church as a charity. And we should view ourselves as a charity. A living, breathing, walking, talking body of love. And love that is given when it's not deserved, when it's not earned. Love that is given without expectation. Do you know that when we give, the Bible teaches us how to love. The Bible says, what have you profited? If you love somebody who loves you, everybody loves people who love them. It's easy to love somebody who loves you. The real beauty of love is when you love somebody who can do nothing for you. Somebody who... Who can do nothing in return in fact the scripture says it this way love your enemies listen to what the scripture says bless them which persecute you pray for them which despitefully use you love them love them this is charity this is love In one place the scripture says, what manner of love hath the Father bestowed on us? Verse 1 of 1 John chapter 3, behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God? The the, the apostle was saying similar to what David said when he said, when I consider thy heavens the work of thy fingers the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, I have to ask myself, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you would visit him? I don't, I'm trying to understand, what is it about me that you love so much? What is it about me that makes you overlook my faults and love me? Now let me tell you, let me put God's love in perspective. You do know nobody loves you like God loves you. He loves you more than your mom loves you. And I know she loves you. She probably sent you a text today just to remind you. I love you, darling, honey, whatever your nickname is. But God loves you more than your mom loves you or loved you, more than your dad loves you or loved you, more than your spouse, more than your children, more than your grandparent, more than your grandchild. Your God, your heavenly Father, loves you with limitless levels of love. And now I want you to think about how powerful that is when you consider that He knows everything about you. Everything. You've never done anything that He doesn't know about. You've never said anything that He doesn't know about. You've never thought anything that He doesn't know about. God knows the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs, everything about you And his love for you remains. Why? Because it's perfect love. It is charity. It is agape. It isn't based on who you are. It's based on who he is. See, you're expecting God to stop loving you because you feel like you're no good. It's not about whether you are good or not. It's about the fact that he is good. And he loves because he's good. And, and through that, he teaches us how to love. Every time you feel like you are justified in holding a grudge against somebody, you have to be called back to the understanding of how God treated you when he could have held a grudge against you. I am so glad that God hasn't held grudges against me. You know, I'd be, I'd be up the creek if God held grudges against me. But it doesn't matter what I've been through in life, what poor decisions I've made in life, what bad attitudes I have developed in life. When I enter into the presence of my heavenly father, he welcomes me. Now, he might not always have a smile on his face. I like the old song uh, that talks about being beneath Jehovah's dread frown low in the pit where my sins dragged me down how many remember that place where you could feel the frown of God over your life that doesn't mean he doesn't love you that means that you have entered into a region and a realm of living that is opposite the blessing of the Lord and yet it is his great love wherewith he has loved you that causes him to reach for you regardless of how far you have fallen so this is the great love of God When you look at the word of the Lord and you see what the scripture says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17, the scripture says in verse 16, we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now here is the key to understanding love right here. We love him. Because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. Glory to God. And so we have love for one another what gives me the ability to love God with all my heart soul mind and strength is the fact that he first loved me that's my first love that's my first love he loves me look at your neighbor say he loves me tell him Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so just it. just it just did tell us so little ones to him belong they are weak But he is strong. We teach that to our children from the time. They can understand what we're saying even before then. Jesus loves me. This I know. We want them to remember that when they're in the hospital waiting room. We want them to remember that when they're in the courthouse. We want them to remember that when they're facing the deepest struggles and valleys of their life. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. This is the bond of perfectness. This is the thing that holds me together. When all hell is breaking loose, I can remember that Jesus loves me. Hallelujah. When my body is erupting with symptoms I can't control, Jesus loves me. This is the bond of perfectness. This is what keeps peace perfect in my life. This is what keeps love perfect in my life is this bond called agape. He loves me, period. Not comma, not if, but, just he loves me. Jesus loves me he just simply loves me can I tell you that's the hope of every prisoner who listen who deserves to be in prison the prisoner who has a criminal record has hurt and violated and defeated and destroyed and has been reckless and and, and everybody hates and everybody's given up on but, but God Who is rich in mercy, looks down in love, and says when nobody loves them, I still love them. When nobody cares, I still care. This is the bond of perfectness. This is what holds me together. When others have given up on me, this holds me together. Glory to God. So the Bible says, above all things, put on charity. Above all things, put on agape. Above all things, put on this love that says, he loves me regardless. Above all things, above everything you could say, above everything you could do, if you had to choose one thing, choose love. The first love. In one place in the book of Revelation, the Bible says the Lord looked at the church at Ephesus. He said, I have somewhat against you. I know all the good stuff you've done, good works. You you exposed the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And I know your labor and it's been wonderful. You're great people and all that. But he said, I I, I have somewhat against you. And it's going to make me, if you're not careful, remove the candlestick from among you. In other words, I'm going to stop enlightening you. I'm going to stop revealing to you great truth because you have left your first love now when we hear that you know know what I used to think that was I used to think the first love was you know that first love feeling puppy love that first love you know that that euphoria that you get when you're in the presence of the Lord and sometimes when you sometimes when you live for God A little while, people tend to lose the euphoria. Don't lose it. Think about his love. Think about his goodness. Think about his grace. How he brought you from such a mighty long way. Never forget that such were some of you. Never forget that he didn't have to do it, but he did. Never forget that he's been better to you than you've been to yourself. But the first love in its purest understanding is simply the love that he has for you. My God have mercy. It's not the love that you have for others. It's not the love that that you have for him. It's not the love you may have for your own being. It is the love that he has for you. And if you ever depart from that love, then you have lost The foundation of of all other love in your walk with God. You can't love him if you have not received his love for you. Because if you forget the love that he has toward you. Pure love. Perfect love. Spotless love. If you forget that love, then you find it possible to not love your brother or your sister find it possible not to forgive, find it easy to judge, find it easy to condemn, find it easy to hold grudges. And, and God said, if you leave your first love, then, then you've got major problems down the road. Every day we should come back to, he loves me, he loves me. Oh, what joy. Oh, what peace. Oh, what beauty that he loves me. This is the bond of perfectness. This is what keeps me in perfect peace. Keep your mind stayed on the Lord. What am I thinking about when my mind is stayed on the Lord? I'm thinking about His love for me. That's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about Calvary's cross. I'm thinking about blood that was shed. When I think about His love for me. Oh, hallelujah. Let's go to what the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10. We're going to read about spiritual warfare. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. This is really good stuff. We should pay attention and look at what the Lord has done to equip us for the battles of life. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, deceitfulness of the devil, the the temptations of the devil. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against those things. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. And therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, but above all, above all all things. now, Now, he already told the church, the Colossian church, what to do above all. Put on charity, put on charity. He's going to say the same thing here in a different way. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked
1: my God
0: the shield of faith is the love of God it is what you are to put on above all it is the agape, it is the charity it is what we have faith in when I lift up the shield of faith, I'm not just lifting up some vague belief I am lifting up faith that he loves me and that is what i carry to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked no fiery dart of the wicked can bypass the shield of faith in the love of god he loves me i can walk into any battlefield with that shield and every fiery dart listen to what it said it said it shall quench the fiery darts that is a reference to putting the fire out see you have been hit by darts of the wicked but you haven't been burned by the fire because the shield of faith puts the fire of the hellfire out of the dart of the wicked. see those wicked darts are dipped in hell and then sent flying in your direction. And that torment that you feel from the, from the dart is, is a little earnest of the inheritance of the wicked. It is, it's like a little hellfire entering into your life. And so you're literally going through a hell on earth. But the love of God quenches the fire of the darts of the wicked. The the shield of faith. What do you believe? I believe he loves me. I believe he died for me. I believe he gave his very life on Calvary's hill of sorrow. I believe that he laid his life down so that I might live. I believe that he walked through this life so that I could walk through this life. He overcame the adversary so I could overcome the adversary. I believe this. This is my faith. This is my victory. Even my faith. I can walk through disease with the shield of faith. He loves me. 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 me, me. Nothing can penetrate that shield. Nothing. hallelujah. It is the bond. Above all, take the shield of faith. Above all, put on charity. Above all. Above all. That's how we know it's the same thing. Because he teaches us what to do above all. Taking the shield of faith is to put on charity. Put on love. Put on love. I am covered with the love of God. Hallelujah. We're baptized in water. That water quenches the fire. Baptism in Jesus' name. Is an absolute immersion into the love of God the blood of Jesus Christ covered covered with the love of God washed by the love of God cleansed by the love of God oh love of God how rich and pure how measureless and strong oh hallelujah first Corinthians chapter 13 First Corinthians chapter 13, listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not agape, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. That's how you've met people who can speak in tongues, but have no compassion in their heart. It's because they have managed to memorize what it feels like, to memorize what it sounds like and to mimic and it's nothing but tinkling cymbals or sounding brass you know when Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness the Bible says it was a fiery serpent the children of Israel took that serpent and made an idol out of it in the temple Hezekiah comes along and breaks it down and says we're not to have idols or graven images before us and he cast it out of the temple calling it Nehushtan or a a worthless brass it's just a piece of brass it's all it is it once was fiery but now it's just brass when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven and tongues like as of fire there was one time just like the serpent where the tongues were like fire but without the love of God, they, like the serpent, become worthless brass, tinkling symbol. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling symbol. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and though I understand, are you ready for this? All mysteries. That means, that means he, could, he could stand up here and he could wow us with his understanding of eternity. Understanding of, of every institution of humanity and how it reflects the image of God as he so capably did. But he said, though I have understanding of all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned and have not agape it profits me nothing. Agape suffers long. Agape is kind. Agape envieth not. Whenever I feel that Whenever I feel that little demon of envy climb up into my spirit and try to take control of my emotion, I brought back to 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Charity envieth not. Can't do it. Something in Joel needs to die. Something in Joel needs to die. If there's envy in here, then that means that love needs to replace it because love doesn't envy. Love envies not. So you know what, ladies and gentlemen, don't replace your relationship with the Word of God for anything. You need to come back to these verses of Scripture that you've read over and over and heard read over and over. You think you know them. I think I know them. Have you noticed you quote a Scripture for years and then you, you read it and you've been misquoting it? That's so frustrating. I think, I think I'm quoting it just the way. I don't know how we do that. I quote it, quote it, quote it, and then I go back. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I got a pronoun wrong, an adjective wrong, replaced a phrase with a clause and added something completely false. I have no idea what what in the world I'm doing here. Because you got to go back and be reminded and read what the word of the Lord says to your spirit. The word of the Lord tells me that the perfect love of God suffers long. And that the love of God is kind. And that the love of God doesn't envy. And that the love of God doesn't vaunt itself and is not puffed up. And that the love of God does not behave itself unseemly. And that the love of God does not seek her own. And that the love of God is not easily provoked. And that the love of God thinketh no evil. And that the love of God rejoices not in iniquity rejoices in the truth that the love of god bears all things that's this is exactly why this is exactly why we humble ourselves and we ask for forgiveness even when we don't think we're the ones who did something wrong it's why we do that because the love of god bears all things what, 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 what did Jesus do wrong that he bore the cross? Anybody? What did he do wrong? Was he just not a skilled enough negotiator? Was he, was he just a poor leader? Was he, just, was he just bad at making disciples? And I mean, they all left him what did he do wrong he did nothing wrong but love bears all things and so he took all shame and all pain and all sickness and all sin and all sorrow to the cross because agape bears all things and we are christ in this world we are the body of christ you know the body that was wounded, that's us. You know the body that was bruised, that's us. You know the body that was, that was chastised, that's us. So don't get bent out of shape when somebody wounds you, bruises you, chastises you. Don't get out, bent out of shape. Just let your flesh die and rise again in the victory of Jesus Christ. And you will have shown the grace of God. Just as the crucifixion of Jesus did. The love of God believes all things. Hopes. All things endures all things (laughs) love never fails I remember brother Tenney saying when you don't know what to say or do or instruct or guide or counsel you can always fall back on first Corinthians 13 and 8 love never fails you will never go wrong with love never Never will you go wrong with love. You can always use love to exact the will of God. Love never fails. Now whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Now that's, that's not talking about the day in which we live. That's talking about when we get to heaven. We won't need prophecies in heaven. We, will not, we won't need one prophecy in heaven. We won't need one message in tongues in heaven. You know why? Because here we live and we have mystery around us. And so the gifts of the Spirit operate to help us navigate the things of the Spirit. That's why we have word of wisdom and word of knowledge and discernment of spirits. And, and all of these things are necessary here. But when we get to heaven... We will live in knowledge, and we will have fullness of wisdom, and we won't need a prophecy to enlighten us about the dark things. There aren't going to be any dark things to us. We will understand and know even as we are known. Notice what the Bible says. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. So everything you think you know is going to vanish away. For we know in part, you only know half of the story. And we only prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect, the bond of perfectness, when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, that's us right now. That's us right now. When we are a child, we speak as a child, we understand as a child, and we think as a child. But when we become a man, we put away childish things this is what he talked about to the church at ephesus when he said that we are grown together in the fullness of the stature of christ becoming one man okay so right now we're still acting like children again i see some spouses not really not really surprised by that i don't know what's going on no no i'm kidding right now we act like children that's why that's why we you know we all have we all we can all kind of tell And we we pick up our toys and go home and throw our fits and refuse to eat our vegetables and we act like children. That's us now. We speak as a child, understand as a child, think as a child. But when we become a man, we put away those childish things and we no longer need the things that God gave us to get through on earth. For now we see through a glass darkly. But then, face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known, and now abideth faith, hope, and agape. But the greatest of these is agape. Do you know why? Because when you step into the eternal glory of God, you won't need faith anymore, and you won't need hope anymore. But you'll always have love. Glory. What is there yet to hope for? Hope is filled, it's fulfilled. It is, it we are li- we are living in the fulfillment of hope when we reach his golden strand. The Bible says we are saved by hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. Hope is unseen. Hope is what we are looking for forward to. When we arrive in the new Jerusalem, all hope will be fulfilled. Everything your soul has ever longed for and hoped for will be complete. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. But when you get into the new Jerusalem, everything you couldn't see will be seen. Fullness. Fulfillment. You won't need faith. You won't need to move mountains. You won't need to unpluck. Pluck up sycamine trees. You won't need need to have blind eyes open because there will be nothing for which to have faith. You will know, you will know, you will know. We have faith to help us make right choices concerning things we don't understand. But when we reach that golden strand, I won't need faith. I won't need hope. But we will always have love. Oh, love will be there. Love will be there. It's the bond. It's the bond of perfectness. I'm going to just tell you this. You know, we we talk about free will. You know the angels have free will. There's this guy named Lucifer. Anybody ever heard of that guy before? The angels have free will. And Lucifer used it to rebel against God. And the angels still have free will. That's why the Bible says, though we or an angel, not from hell, but from heaven, preach any other gospel. Let him be accursed. The angels still have free will. And here's why. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. They choose to serve the Lord. They choose to do his bidding. He, He has... He has won them over and they choose to do his commands and to minister to the heirs of salvation. When we leave this earth and enter into glory, you're still going to have a free will. Freedom doesn't stop. We think, oh, if I can just break the bonds of this free will. No, no. Free will isn't bondage. Free will is Freedom. The reason that you're going to serve God for all of eternity is because you are going to freely choose to do so. You will know and see and understand and it will make sense. Even the stuff that right now doesn't make sense, sense, we'll understand it better by and by. And you will choose for all of eternity and the thing that will hold us all in place is charity, agape. The reason that I'm going to stand in his presence forever is because he loves me. Not because I've been so good on earth. Because he loves me. And I stepped into his covenant and believed his love. Oh, glory. That's what's going to make me live forever. I'm going to live forever. You hear me? I'm going to live forever. That's why I can't fear what man can do unto me. Because I'm going to live forever. I know that because he loves me. And he's going to make me live forever. And when this body begins to break down and deteriorate, don't weep for me when I'm gone because I'm going to live forever because he loves me. Oh, hallelujah. And then and then this earth is fallen, and this body is fallen. And and so we we age and we deteriorate and we and our body breaks down and, and things begin to go wrong. And and we have this short little span of time on this fallen earth, and the Bible says it's like a vapor, but don't get so caught up that you set your affections on things on the earth and not on things above, ladies and gentlemen, because we're gonna live forever. glory it's the love of God that is the bond of that perfectness the charity of God stuff I don't deserve but I receive it in Jesus name it's his love that holds those perfect streets his love paved those perfect streets his love hung those perfect gates his love keeps me in perfect peace his love Casts out my fear. His love lifts me up out of the shadows. His love brings me up out of my despair. His love is what's going to cause me to inherit eternal life. His love is what's going to cause me to rule and reign with Him for a thousand years. His love, ladies and gentlemen, is what's going to cause me to walk with Him and live with Him for all of eternity. Glory to God. How many are thankful for the love of God? Glory. Let's stand to our feet right now. Clap our hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord! Let's praise the Lord! Woo, hallelujah! Let's worship Him in the beauty of holiness. Let's lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting, magnifying the God of our salvation, glorifying and exalting His name forever and ever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. thank you Jesus this understanding of his love is what causes me to be able to love other people when you receive his love when he loves you you receive his love you don't just receive his love but you receive his love to give it freely you have received freely give so you look at somebody who needs love and you, you, you give them not your love but his love in fact I, I, I'm scared to love people with my love oh I'll love them I'll love them with my love I will. I'll, I'll I'll put my own heart out there and love them with my love because God wants me to do that but, but I'm going to love them with something deeper than my love I'm going to love them with the love that he has for me Lord. now all of a sudden when they do me harm I'm I'm able to still love them because that's the love that God used to love me now all of a sudden when when I feel hurt I'm, I'm able to forgive that because God forgave me when I hurt others glory So I receive your love Lord I receive your love to give it I receive your love to give it I receive your love to give it. I receive your love to give it. Buckle yourself up into the love of God. Y'all ready to go for a ride? Come on, sit down. Pull that seatbelt around and buckle that love. Because you're going to, hey, you're going to run into some rough roads. You're going to come to some yellow lights that turn red real fast. I've done some traveling to where I felt like I was in a car or a plane. Every time I turned around and, and I'd get done, I'd come home and I'd sit down at a restaurant. I'd sit down in a recliner and I'd look for the seatbelt. And I'd think, oh wait, I'm not, in a, I'm not in a car or a plane anymore. But if you will buckle, then you won't be affected by the laws of inertia. When everything in you is pushing you forward and out of safety's protective hand, the love of God will hold you fast. Things come to a stop before you know it. You think things are sailing along fine and all of a sudden comes to a screeching halt. You better be buckled up. You better have the bond of perfectness, the love of God, the agape love of God. Hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord right now. Let's get buckled in with Jesus right now. Can we do that? Can we just get buckled in with Jesus right now and say, God, I want you to prepare me for every turn of the road, every challenge that I face. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's do it right now in the name of the Lord.
1: Oh, yes, Lord. How I love you. Whoa.